What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and we are back for story time. I hope you're sitting comfy, cosy, then we shall begin. And this time I'm joined once again by a great friend of the show and story time expert, uh, Tony Farina. How are you doing, Tony? Very well. I'm very excited for this particular story time. And I like your description there because it's like, when I was trying to describe this story to my wife, I'm like, it's just two people sitting in a room talking. Like, yeah. And so they're just like cozy up and they're just like, hey, and it is so tense. As, so I'm very excited. I, I feel cozy and I also feel anxious. Having reread this again this morning, uh, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I can't say that. This is one of those stories. This is, this is story. We'll, we'll get to it in a minute what it is, but this story creeps me out on such a level. And so it's, it's a magnificently story. It's, it's hugely mundane, but the undertones and the undercurrent of it is, is creepy as hell. So what are we talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Well, you've probably seen it on the titles we're coming in. We are talking about The Frolic by uh, Thomas Lugatti. Now, I am going to guess that very few people listen to this podcast have heard of Thomas Lugatti. He's not a hugely well-known author. He doesn't write masses of things. He's a bit of a nihilist. He uh, has written a book about the human condition, which basically result- ends up in us saying, everyone should just kill themselves. It's all pointless. He's a, he's a little bit... <laughs> that. He's, from, he's from your uh, neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, he's from Florida. Um, well, I can understand the elism then. I mean, I'm not <laughs> from Florida. I live in Florida, which mm. are different things. So, right? I mean, the thing Very is, true. there's like most... Florida. The reason that most of the pro sports teams down here are so poorly attended is because yeah. hardly anybody's from Florida. Right. Everyone's moved. So it's there. like people come to watch the baseball teams to watch their favorite team playing against their mm. baseball team or whatever. So uh, it's just not a. Um, that's it. We're a transient place. People move here, and the people from here move. Like Tom Petty was from Florida, and then he got the fuck out. Yeah. Well, the, you know, I get it. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Um. But yes, but Thomas Lugatti, he, he, I came across him, well, I, I came across him during my forays into weird fiction. I've obviously gone back to, like, you know, uh, Lovecraft, and I've worked through different authors from there. And Thomas Lugatti came up, and, and, and this book, he's written a number of short stories, no novels, a bunch of short stories. I've got, um, it, this one I've got is called Songs of a Dead Dreamer um, and Grim Scribe. And Grim Scribe is in Grim. <laughs> is probably an accurate description. Like there are some fantastic stories in here. Um, I won't get to all those, and he, but he definitely has a tone and it's, 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 there are very few happy endings. Let me put it that way. It's not that way. I love that though. Like, so yes. the book that I have, I got the, um, I found a E version of songs for a dead dreamer. Yep. That's which, the first. Uh, yeah. Yep. Which is a collection. So mm-hmm. this has dreams for sleepwalkers, dreams for insomniacs and dreams for the dead all in one E collection. So yeah. Are you, cool. you going to read the rest? Because uh, 100%. I would say, because you go through it and I've just got it here. So you've got uh, Le Fleur, um, dream of a mannequin. Excellent. Um, 
And the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just a, notes on the writing of a horror story, uh, of writing horror, a story. Um, yeah, it's 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 a, in, in fact, once you've read it, I'd like you to come back and say to me, like, yeah. you know, where, Let's where do that. where's your yeah, head? Yeah, at? I, I will work on it. You know, I, the thing I love about short stories is you get in there, you have a good time. And then if it's good, like this one is, yeah, or the ones we've done, if it's good, then it sits with you. Like, mm. like, um, I don't know if you're ever going to cover Ted Chang on here, but this Maybe, Ted yeah. Chang obviously is, a, this is writing love letters to Thomas Ligotti. Mm. Um, because they they're very similar in tone and structure and potency as it were so i think a good short story like you don't really want to binge short stories like i've done it where you'll just sit down and read a whole collection but you shouldn't you should read one and then go read a different book go watch a movie dip go in listen and to out one. dip in and out that's, that's their design and these are designed that way because if you push your way through the whole series you're gonna you're gonna dislike you're gonna miss a gem but you're mm. also gonna get overwhelmed with all of the thoughts Yes, no, I agree. And thoughts is a good point in this book. It is very much a book of thoughts, like it goes from places. Um, but let, let's get into the frolic. Like the frolic, this comes ah. in from is it from the early eighties? The book um, "Songs of, of a Dead Dreamer" uh, collected eighty two. Yeah, eighty two, I think originally. Um, and the, the story is, uh, it's it's a, a doctor. He's a psychiatrist. I must get his uh, Doctor Monk. Monk. Yeah, Doctor Monk. He's a, a, a psychiatrist. And he formerly worked in the in the city with uh, regular people, not regular people, with sort of like you know well-to-do sort of people. Regular people. Yeah. No, <laughs> there's no point being a psychiatrist with regular people. Um, however, he wanted to do something more humanitarian, sort of like more of a challenge, and so has moved to a small town and now works in a prison with uh, as a psychiatrist for prisoners. And over a short period of time, it would very much seem that he has soured on this idea where he thought he was going to help re rehabilitate these men, these people, that he has got to a point where he's like, no, they can rot in this place. Uh, and there is one prisoner in particular who was found um, outside of a school, he was arrested outside of a school, kidnapping a small girl, shepherding her into his car. And uh, he, is, he has been charged with murder and kidnapping of several other people, I think six other children, but will not give his name, so he's known as John Doe. And uh, Dr. Monk is on the process of interviewing and trying to assess this man. Uh, and he gives him these weird soliloquies and stories and everything. So this sort of dream fantasy land. And he believes it's all sort of a fantasy. And while he is regaling this to his wife over a drink, um, she is literally looking to leave town. And he is agreeing with her and thinking it's time to go back. Uh, upstairs, their daughter sleeps and dreams. Um, and uncomfortable talking about this they go to check on her she's fine and then eventually at the end of the night they hear a noise and then when they rush upstairs they find she has gone but a note has been left by john doe so that's a very sort of rush summary of the story but let's start from there so tony first thoughts on the frolic well th this is again we talked about the greatest American short story writer in the history of all time, Shirley Jackson, the first mm. time we did this. And again, while I think Ted Chang, another excellent American short story writer, is paying homage to him, he's clearly in love with her, and as you should be. And what, yeah. what uh, Shirley Jackson does better than anybody is start. Mm. Nobody starts better than Shirley Jackson. I mean, like literally there will people, I know I, there's a podcast I listen to where one of the guys on it is a teacher at Columbia and he teaches like a whole week on just the opening paragraph of we've always lived in the castle. 
Like, right. yeah. Okay. So this is how I knew I was going to love this. I'd never heard of this. I was one of the people you spoke to. I didn't know who he was. You said, Hey, who wants to do stuff? So me, Jack and Blake are like, Ooh, ooh. Mm. and so I'm in. So this is the thing. The opening line, if everyone will indulge me, in a beautiful home, in a beautiful part of town, the town of Nolgate, site of a state prison, Dr. Mung examined the evening newspaper while his young wife lounged on a sofa nearby, lazily flipping through the colorful parade of a fashion magazine. And so, like, it's setting you up for this, like, beautiful little, just, you have no idea, it's called the frolic. Mm. And then it's like, it's beautiful, and it's, and you hear that rhythm in that opening sentence, and you're like, and then... And so the tension rats up from there. He puts you at such ease. So that's why it's so good because he's not, you don't know this is a horror story until you know. And that to me is perfect writing. It's what good short stories do. He lulls you in. You can hear the rhythm in the language. He pauses in the right place. He uses the word lazily. He's reading the newspaper. It's just, it's idyllic. And you're like, fuck. The state prison line. You're like, wonder why that's in there. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're like, oh, you're just getting a sense of place. Mm. Oh, and I, you know, I used to live in a town in Michigan, Jackson, Michigan, where there is a state prison. You know, so you're like, you get it. Like, there, when there's a town that has a prison, that's the industry of the town. Yeah. And and, and that definitely is the case. I mean, they talk about um, one of the things. You know, I want to talk at the dialogue in a minute as well, but yeah. One of the things you talk about this sense of place is he talks about the the, the husband and wife. When you talk about the wife, they've obviously moved from a metro, metro, a metropolis, and yeah. she's aching for that again. Like she's saying, like she's she's obviously sort of aware of how boring this is because there's nowhere to go in this town apart from right. this bar that is frequented by the um, penitentiary staff, so the guards right. and all this other stuff. So like, it's not really a good place to go. It's not a swinging place to go. It's just a bar. And so, yeah, it's a local town. And the local, like you say, the local industry or the employer is the prison. Mm-hmm. And you get that sense. Um, and so I like that, that it sort of, it, as you say, it looms over like this town and this story like throughout. Like the only purpose yeah. they are here is because of this prison. Yeah. Um, and I like this, the thing for the wife as well, just to say, is for her, there's a great line in this where she, she says about the prisoners escaping and she pictures it with paper walls. Yeah. Yeah. I love that image. Yeah. yeah. And so it's there. It must, it just looms over everything. It's fantastic. Yeah. I just think for me, the, the way that, because it's not very, it's, it's short. It'll take you, there's an audio version I sent you. I mean, you could listen to the whole audio version in like less than half an hour. And so yeah. then if you're reading it yourself, you're probably going to read it in 10, 15 minutes, which is, mm-hmm. which is all it takes. But it, like, because it lo- it ropes you in with this lulling, lulla, it's, it's idyllic. Like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't at first make it seem like it's anything but a boring, sad little town. Like you said, it's, it's, it, the prison is just there for, it, it could, he sets you up to think it could be like car company or, yeah you know, local canning plant, whatever it is, it's like, it's the thing. And you all know, I mean, every country, every state, every has one of those has, has areas where it's like the town is this thing. And if that thing shuts down, everybody in the town is fucked. Yeah. We've, we've heard this, you know, it's a cliche almost to an extent, like, you know, the, it's the coal mine, it's the sort of the lumber mill, it's the yes. whatever, those sort of things. It's usually, yeah. like, it's usually like a, a blue collar sort of, yeah. Um, uh, and it gives you a sense too of how he's out of how they're out of place there too because exactly. like you said it's he sets the place because it's this town he's a doctor she's a 
stay at, seemingly stay at home wife of the doctor. Mm -hmm. So when you're a stay at home wife and you live in, you know, New York or Chicago, you got shit to do all day or yeah. even like a middling sized town, you know, like Indianapolis or something. But when you're in nowhere, when you're in Nolgate, yeah. um, there's, there's nothing, nothing going on. No, it's, it's very little. So it, it, this sense of place is, is, is it's isolating as well. Which Oof. again, I like this idea that like they are tr not trapped, but like there's this this. It feels like their whole world to this extent. Yeah, um, and they are trapped because it's mm. his. She's not working, and it's his job. Mm. And so, you like your job, and I like my job. But mm. we're also, you know, you you know that there's a moment when you're doing your job where you're like, "Fuck this job," but you can't because you're like. What are you going to do? Walk outside and be like, well, honey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're eating celery soup, you know, because yeah. <laughs> so you because even if you like your job or even if you hate it, whatever. But a job is a prison sentence. Yes. It's, 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 you are trapped in it. You know, you are until you till you can move on unless you're independently wealthy. So it is it, it is suffocating. And 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 so the, the beautiful language juxtaposed against this isolating town suffocation she you know this is the 80s too so you're thinking stay at home moms are uh, you know on the way out yeah you know there are still of course stay at home parents we know us we know stay at home parents there's yeah. nothing wrong with that but at this stage of the game for it to be things were changing things were changing and so that says a lot about her about leslie as a character that she wants and, and about he says so much about their relationship without saying anything. It's yeah. it's what makes it so good. One of the things um, you say about this being the eighties, obviously it was written in the eighties or the yeah, early, yeah. very early eighties. Um, there's a section of dialogue though. I'm, I'm just going to quickly read. So they obviously they've just had dinner and they're talking about it. And she says, um, "You were pretty quiet at dinner." And he says, um, "She's he's saying about his day. It went about the same." Said Doctor Monk without lowering the small town newspaper to look at his wife. Uh, does, does that mean you don't want to talk about it? He folded the newspaper backwards and his upper body appeared. That's how it sounded, didn't it? Yes, it certainly did. Are you okay? Uh, Leslie asked, laying aside the magazine to off the coffee table, offering her complete attention. Severely doubting. That's how I am. It feels very clipped and very sort of proper. And so to me, I almost felt like this is like 50s or 60s era dialogue. Um, she says, yeah, Anything particular doubtful? He says, only everything. Not in the probably cheaper time, but like only everything, he answers. And he says, shall I make us drinks? That would be much appreciated. Like it feels like, yes, they're a couple, but this feels like very formal dialogue. Yeah, um, no, I agree. That makes perfect sense, right? So it could, because there isn't a town. But again, that's also very Shirley Jackson that mm. it could be timeless. Yes. Yeah, so you're right. While it is taking place in the early 80s, it could be 1958 or 1948. It wouldn't be that much different. No, because except for the mention of the TV. Yes, the TV is the only part when yes, when it does sort of yes, because the daughter's got one from her, for her birthday. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is the dialogue is very clipped and very sort of thing. And even Smart, when he is, yeah, and even when he is describing um, this stuff, like you say, it's it's timeless. Like he, he, there's no use of slang. There's no use of uh, pop culture references or anything like that. It's all very, like you say. Uh, clipped and very specific, which I think is really interesting. I, I agree. And I think, it, again, it, it, it's him telling us everything about the relationship mm. without having to say, if this were a novel, we'd get a flashback of something about their life. 
But he does it in what you just read. Everybody's like, oh, he's kind of a dick to her and she lets him be. Yes. Well, I think <laughs> you said you say, you say about being a prison sentence, because again, this yeah. idea of the, you know, the, the, the stay-at-home mom or the housewife, and she sat there drinking martinis and sort of like, you know, she know and she feels trapped. Like for her, this town is a prison sentence, like you know, and she desperately wants out. And it actually she, she there's an, um him being unhappy in his job. And it's obviously about being doubtful of everything. Like she is secretly very pleased about that because she's like, and I love that line where she's can, in her in her mind's ear. Yes. She hears the moving trucks backing up. What a great line! Yes, so exactly. Yeah. And she's like, well, I, at least I don't have to be manipulative anymore to get what I want. Sounds like it's going to happen anyway. Um, yeah, and so I love that you you get these things of these characters and how this relationship clearly works. Like in, in just these sort of like drop little bits and pieces. Uh, wonderfully done like they set them up as a like, this is a proper married couple but like, they're clearly like you know happy together with all this other stuff but there's still that tension about them being in this town um and that tension i mean yeah, that's why well we'll get to the end but that tension obviously grows um because then we find out why he's doubtful and it's not just this John Doe, there's a wider thing in there. Like you learn that basically like, other doctors have had like you know beatings they get spat on one of them has been stabbed and it doesn't sound like a great, a great environment to be working in. Um, but then we do meet John Doe. So what, what are your thoughts on about the introduction of the character in the prison and stuff? Well, I think, I mean, everything, you know, when you're writing a short story, you're not just, it's not about that, mm-hmm. right? It's never just about that. Like later, I know Rhea volunteered for a four, four-way story time to cover up Fall of the House of Usher later. Yes. And that is, you'd be like, isn't that a story about siblings who hate each other? <laughs> is that on all? The, is that on the surface? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Is that all it is? So it's when you're writing a short, when you're writing short fiction, you're like, oh, so to me, there's always been a problem in our country. And, um, and again, this kind of goes back to Nellie Bly and, and her life story has been turned into horror stories, mm. life in a madhouse, because it was a horrific thing that she uncovered. Um, but we've never treated the mentally ill well. No. And, and we, you know, the fact that she calls it a hospital at the beginning and he's like, it's a prison, just call it a prison. And then you learn that John Doe should have gone to prison, but they put him in the mental ward. And so, you know, this is also Mark David Chapman at this time in America, just killed, just tried to kill the president of the United States mm. and was sent to a prison, a mental hospital instead of a prison because he was considered unwell and he had this yes. dissociative break and thought Jody Foster would fall in love with him because that's why you kill the president. So yeah. there's that all of that to say is that we do a bad job in our country of uh, so I think again he's setting that up. It's like this guy he thinks he's like I don't want to just help you know anxious rich people. I want to help people and I want to go to this mental because he knows he's a he's a physician. He knows that shit's bad in the prison and that that mentally ill in prison is even worse. He's aware of the problem, but he also knows he does. He is not the man for the job. And is anybody the man for the job or woman for the job? Because it's a horrible shithole because it doesn't have the money and the time that it needs. All that's there. So I, it's, and it's also why John Doe is in total control because he knows this. Yes. Well, there's the one thing I like is that there's a, there's a section where he describes this thing and he says about how he had this dream of, you know, uh, rehabilita- rehabilitation and he, he met the, the other sort of uh, physicians and stuff there. And he was like, well, I'm not going to become as jaded as those. 
um, you know, surely I, I, I've, I'm a man of purpose. Like I have a mission that I want to fulfill. And that literally is like, now, like, they spit on me and I've seen what they do and they can all rot in there and I'm sick of them. Yeah, he's pissed. Yeah. yeah. He wants them all to burn in hell. Yeah, and it's interesting, like you say. And one of the things reading this that I do think is like here, you know, it, it gets, it's, it's had a lot of bad, bad press, especially over here recently, how police, the police have, have like a black humour. Like they've got this sort of like to deal with everything they deal with, they have this sort of those black sense of humour. And so, you know, and, but when that gets presented to the to the public, and in some cases it is vile, I'm not going to defend the Met for the, some of the things that were said on WhatsApp and other things, but like when you're dealing with that level of tension on that level of, when you see these things on a daily basis at a certain level in the police, I, I understand why you sort of have to laugh. You have to have that gallows humour. But in this, like prison, like, you know, he's just like, no, like I'm trying. But it's clear that there is no rehabilitation. Like, you know, there's only punishment. That's that's all that seems to be to work. Um, and so like he's in a position of sort of like, you know, yeah, all right, I'm I'm giving in. I can't I can't do this. I want to go back to what I'm doing. And as you say, enter John Doe, who is in full control of this situation. Yes. And I think there's a you know, we see this, this kind of criminal mastermind. We've seen him before. Um, we see him again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's very Joker. Yeah, that, people, you know yes. what I mean? Like he's, he's, um, he's, he's John Doe from seven. He's John. Exactly. That's, I'm sure that they, you know, they read oh, this. That, if that, if, uh, if David Finch and that hasn't read this story, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. So there's that cold calculation um, to him, and he sees a system that can, he can manipulate. So what we get before we meet John Doe is D- Dr. Monk telling us what kind of place it is. It's a mess. Nobody cares. Yeah. The, the patient. I mean, it's like, and I don't want to compare people to animals, but if it, if you kick a dog, it will eventually bite you because mm-hmm. it doesn't. So but when you treat people inhumanely, they're going to act this way. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that some people are unwell and they're they have chemical imbalances and they're they're prone to violence. I'm that is true. But the way that he describes these people is they're not all that way. And they're yes. and he, notice he says they don't attack him; they just spit at him. Yeah. They're just trying to scare him. He, that means he's never done anything bad to them. Yeah. He did, and, and so. John Doe knows this is the system that he can go in and do and you know frolic. Yeah. So let's talk about John Doe because you're right. And the, the Joker is a good example. This idea yeah. of this 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 notion of like the the criminal uh, mastermind. This idea of the I'm, I'm thinking of it like Hannibal Lecter, like John Doe from Seven, or these people that sort of like you know they're they're one step ahead because they look at it and go, oh, I get how this game works. But there's a, I have a further question about John Doe. But he he, the, the, he says to him, like, there's this whole di- dialogue about um, what he's done. And he's like, well, yeah, I haven't been doing anything wrong as far as I can see, you know. I, I allowed, I allowed my, almost like I allowed myself to be arrested. 100%. To be brought in for this scenario. Um, you know, I knew what I was doing. You know, I've done this thing. And he sort of says about them dreaming, the kids dreaming, all sort of stuff, like... And there's a part of it's like, how much is is it that he believes this, and how much is it is he's taunting Doctor Monk? Like, 
let's see how much shit I can just make up that is complete nonsense that like, the doctor's going to buy into. I don't know. It's it's that's what also makes it good is you can, I can see it both ways. I can see it be that he came in deliberately to fuck with Dr. Monk and that mm. maybe Dr. Monk, he was a, he was somebody that he knew in a previous life and, you know, in a previous incarnation and mm. he did him wrong. And this is like a saw kind of revenge thing. Yeah. Or it's just like you're here. And I really, he genuinely wanted to get arrested. He genuinely wanted to be put in there. We, he acknowledges that. I, be, I believe him. I don't believe he's lying there um, because he knows he could leave at any time because he knows this place is a joke. Yeah. It's not a real prison. He knows that. And, um, you know, so, and this is like, well, you're just my next victim. The victim, while we know what happens at the end, the victim is Dr. Monk. The yes, victim and- is the system. Exactly. And that, that's actually a really good point because it's almost like the children are a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And it's more, they are part of a game. Now, because he says in it, they say like, you know, they call him John Doe because he doesn't have a name. His response has been, I have almost a thousand names. And so he's, you know, and again, I'm going to get to my point because there's this grandiose sort of sense that John Doe gives of like, you know, I have a thousand names. I can walk out of this prison at any time. Like he's trying to make himself the ultimate villain. Um, and obviously when we get to the end, we'll find out that, you know, he is willing to commit these things. However, is he supernatural? He is painted that way. Yeah. And again, well, he paints himself that way. He paints mm-hmm. himself that way. And, and he does enough to make everybody believe, to make Dr. Monk at least believe him. We don't know about anybody else. We know Dr. Monk believes he's getting creeped out enough. Part of me says that's an easy answer, but mm-hmm. based on it's easy to say he is the film version that I saw. There's a, there's a short film I sent you. The link. I don't know if you'd seen that before. I started watching it, but we're not talking. Yeah, they definitely lean into that. That filmmaker makes the argument that he is supernatural. Yeah, I lean more towards uh, the Doctor Lecter, John Doe, Joker. He's just smarter than ever. He's a socio, he's a genius level. So he's Moriarty. Yeah. He's yes. that's who he is. You know what I mean? Like Moriarty, the reason Moriarty is the first supervillain, right? Is because he's the good guy in negative. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, the first supervillain is, is Moriarty and he's evil genius as opposed to good genius is what we see. But Holmes is a mess anyway. You know, he's not perfect in any stretch, but I feel like that's what I think he is. I think he's playing the Moriarty, you know, Joker. I, so I don't think so. I think he wants you to think that he is. I mean, the thing about Hannibal Lecter is he does always know what's happening and it's because he's a doctor too. And so John Doe says, I've got a thousand names. So who's to say in a different life, in a different personality, not necessarily, you know, they, they bring up the idea of DID here, but in a different last week or two weeks ago or somewhere upstate, he's got a working psychology practice as one of yeah. these other people. We have no idea about him. And this is just like for funsies. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fuck with you and show you that you're bad at your job. Because I saw, but I heard about you. You treated one of my, I mean, there's all kinds of things you do. So I don't think he's supernatural, but mm. if you wanted to tell me he was, that you is a totally make valid reading. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, because it's interesting, because again, I was reading it this time, I was, I was like, I'm, I'm glad you said what you said, because something struck me in this <clears throat> version. Because like, in the past, I've always 
lent towards that supernatural of the telling now that's because of some of the other stories that appear in this book but also because i came to thomas Ligarty via other supernatural weird fiction you know like um, yeah that sort of thing however reading it this time and especially coming off the last book the, the one i did for the last uh, story time uh, with blake which was um uh, again, by uh, Ramsey Campbell, which again could have a sort of supernatural sort of interpretation, but is definitely about the depravity of the human. This time I was like, let's, in my head, can I take it as a human? Is he a human? And what you said about him being a sociopathic genius works. Like everything he does in this is playing the game. And as you've said about supervillain, like, it's just sort of struck me like he's looking for an equal. He has, this isn't it. Dr. Monk, and, isn't it? Yeah, and so he almost like punishes the doctor to be like, well, you know, we had a conversation and you, I, I squared you up and well, you fell short. So this is the result. I got bored of the conversation and this is what the result is. Um, I love that, actually. The fact that you're saying he's looking for he's looking for that, because that is true. That's totally true with Moriarty. Moriarty yeah. is looking for homes. He needs homes. They need each other. Yeah. Um, where homes, well, homes... To Holmes, the woman, I, 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 the woman, as he calls her, Irene, she's his equal. He yes. doesn't think about more, but Moriarty's like desperate. Yes. Be, be my, I need you. You're as smart as me. I need you. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. I mean, but Irene, she's the one. She's the one who's smarter than both of us. And, you know, that's, that's posited throughout the Holmes universes that mm. Irene Adler is actually smarter than both of them. And he knows that, but Moriarty's so hung up. He's got such a hard on from. So I love that. That's brilliant. And that in the fic, in the sequel version of this, somebody gets John Doe's number. Yeah. And that's what he's looking. Cause that's what I think he's looking for. Cause again, like you say about that create that, that genius, one of the things that's noted in the story, which again, I think is a, is a fantastic moment. And again, it shows the wife looking for sort of like a purpose in this town. She she buys from uh, the the prison. Does oh my god! Fucking so yeah. creepy, man. S sells like things that the prisoners have made, and it says like you know creative things from uh, jugs and bowls and ashtrays and all kinds of bits and still statues. And she's bought this blue ceramic head of a boy, which like even a sculpture. Is, yeah yeah it's a sculpture. And she's like, look how you know, she she presents it in this box and she opens it in front of her husband. And it's described in this way as being sort of like, you know, lacquered and it's sort of like it's shiny, it's blue. And it, but it's immensely beautiful. Like it's shown as, it's, you know, it's, it's exquisite and, and heavenly sort of like, but the doctor's re like response is just like, get that the fuck out of here now. And it turns out that it's John Doe created it in the thing. And he's seen that. So the doctor's seen him doing this and he, the, and Doe has said, oh, this is the image of the, the last boy that I, I killed, and when uh, doc when Doctor um, describes it, he says like, "Yeah, it's the last one described, and it's also the worst one." And that look on his face is the look he had before Doe did what he did to him. And you never get any details; you don't know what he's done to him. But like, you, so your imagination can run wild, and like, which is the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you're not a parent, you're going to think one thing. If you are a parent, you're going to oh, think God. something else. Yeah, I, I, I mean. It's so brilliant because, yeah, because, right, the good writing, nothing happens on page. There's no, no violence on page. Everything happens off. And that's what all insinuated. All of it yeah. is just indicated or suggested. But then that, 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 the, the, that head is what I think cements things in as 
um, both of them then realise, because she's just like, well, I tried to, I'm, I'm trying to do something good. Like, I've bought this from the prison. It goes back to them. And, sort of like, and that, her bringing that into the house is the last straw for him. And he's like, yeah. this character is now penetrating my home. Like, I can't deal with this. I'm going to go quit tomorrow, sort of thing. And yeah. I love that moment when it's it sort of like, it, it, not as much breaks him, but like the, his revulsion and shock is brilliantly done. Well, and again, going back to your thing about Fincher, head in a box. What's in the box? <laughs> Everybody thinks you see the head in yes. seven. You don't, yeah. you do not. No. But you think you did. Yeah. Everybody who saw seven for the first time, I saw it in the theater. I was sure I saw Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box the first time. And, and even wish, then, which is wishful thinking, I think. <laughs> but the, <laughs> she was not great in that movie. But, <laughs> um, but it, it's, uh, it's, and I remember Chris and Dave when they covered it not that long ago on VHS. They said the same thing. They're like, I went in thinking for sure. Here's the scene where I'm going to see her head. You never see it. No, it's not even close. It's no, not even. You it's see not it. you... even in frame. Yeah, it's all Brad Pitt's reaction. Yeah, it's, and that's, again, good actor, acting, amazing. And so, again, the head in a box, so it ties back there. But what I love about it is the way she falls in love with it. Like, again, so this goes back to John Doe being the genius because he's like, I'm going to make something that that is that it's playing on the gender roles. Again, he knows whether he knew it would be her. Somehow he seems, this goes back to the, the supernatural, like he forced her to buy it in some way. But this is if he's if he knows studies human nature and he's like this lady she's bored she wants she's used to this she's this is the only store she's gonna go and buy stuff i'm gonna make something that is so beautiful that any parent is gonna see this and see this angelic cherub of a boy and want to buy it because you'd be Mm. like oh that's beautiful you captured like because you know when you're i mean now you know you've got a teenager now they're you know the looks they give you are less (laughs) but when they're little you're like oh Look at him looking up at me. Yeah. Oh, she's so cute. So it's he completely is manipulating anybody to buy it because it's this. Everybody wants their child to look at them this way. He well, knew just what he was doing. I think it, yeah. I mean, it's a coincidence within the story, but I do yeah. love the fact like it, it could have been her, it could have been anyone else, but for him, it's putting this beautiful thing that has a corrupt origin story out into the world. Yeah, it's just a so wonderful good. piece. Yeah, it's oh. it's so so good. Yeah. And it totally does. It plays on because you do. I mean, they don't say how old she is. She just had a birthday, you know. So, again, as parents, as your kids grow up, you love them the same, Mm -hmm. of course. But the way they look at you is different. The amount of time they want to spend with you is different. And there is even a mention of, well, maybe they'll have another kid. Mm. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will. And so it's like he mentions he knows about Norlene's birthday. He knows all of this. So there's this sense of because. Let's find that. There's a yeah, moment when we get to it. Let's get to the end as well. Yeah, yeah. Because you're right. Um, the, 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 they have this daughter, Norlene. I've got to find the text. So at one point, um, Dr. Monk goes upstairs just to check on his daughter, looks in, and she's hugging a, uh, like a plushy Bambi. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, you know, so it's a warm summer evening, so the windows open, so he goes up and just shuts it goes back downstairs nothing he even says like he would get you know he basically returns back with the the typical parent thing of sort of like you know she's sleeping soundly and all sort of stuff and it's very typical and very sort of sweet but you know even the way it's just the way it's because of what's gone on before every the way it's described you're like 
something's off. <laughs> something's That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also they're so wrapped up. It's again part of the genius of Doe is because early he rattles him earlier in the day, so that he's not going to be as paying close to. He kept him late so that the daughter would be asleep when they got home. Yes, I'm trying to look. Like, this. It was you, all intentionally done. Yes, um, I'm trying to look for the moment. Here you go. Um, it's the moment he he said. Um, Nothing. What? Where is? It? He basically says, "He says, um, but what he said, David, nor a little Colleen, and it's it's that sort of mm. grammatically, of course, it should have been, or not nor, um, but I'm sure it wasn't anything except a case of bad grammar. He didn't mention because he was speaking it in a different accent too. Yes, I was, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's a good point to mention. But he says you didn't mention anything about Norlene, did you? Of course I didn't. That's not, not exactly the kind of thing I would t- um, talk about with these people. Then why did he say it like that? And so there's, um, he says, but this is the best line. He says, I have no idea. He possesses a very weird sort of cleverness. Um, and like you say, it's, there's, there's almost like this tip of like, um, I know about you, doctor. I know about your oh. family. And I'm hinting that I know this stuff without telling you I know this stuff. Yeah. And, and because the doctor isn't John Doe's equal and he is, He's relatively good-hearted. He's here because mm. he thinks he's on some mission, you know, to save the less fortunate. He's he's one of those um, logical psychologists. You know, he's yeah. not he's not there for hugs and intuition. He's here for science. And yeah. so, like, reasonably, he says earlier, listen, there's only been a handful of escapes ever at this prison. And every time somebody escapes, they get as far away as possible because that's what they're going to do. So we're safe. Like living right next door to the prison is actually safer than living two towns away. Yes. You escape. So he's setting, so it's <clears throat> everything. And it goes back to what you said about the clipped language at the beginning. He's very matter of fact, Dr. Mike. Mm-hmm. And so again, John Doe's like saying it to him, but because it doesn't make sense logically, he doesn't hear it because it's yeah. very matter of fact. He's like, well, this can't be true. My mind, he's he's just messing around with me. There's no, it, logically it can't happen. Yes. In his head, he, is, he has painted a picture. He's built this sort of, this version of events, like you said, that's sort of like, well, you know, when there are events, so yeah, the best, their natural instinct is to get as far away as possible. So like to be as close is actually the right thing to be. And so he's trying to sort of like, um, He's trying to sort of satisfy his wife that actually everything's fine. We're all good. everything's fine, and so he. Yeah. But he does it. But he's convinced himself of it too. Mm. But like you say, right? I think. I think he is. He's trying to convince himself of it too because logic, logically, John Doe couldn't have said that. He couldn't have said it. Must just be bad grammar. Logically, if a prisoner escapes, he wouldn't come to the house next door. Logically, so to him, everything is very black and white, and so he's convincing himself of it too. It's his wife that keeps picking away and starts to yeah. shed the doubt. And I like that. And she's like, are you sure? Well, why did yeah. he say it like that? Like, you know. And so I like the fact that, again, like she's unsure. Like she hasn't met this person. She doesn't know. Um, but it, it's interesting, like I say, that they, they keep having this conversation. And they've obviously they've been completely disrupted by the this blue head um, that has been <laughs> introduced. Like that so really creepy. sort of like throws the sort of like, the you know, this sort of the uh, the the timber of everything that's been talked about because before like you say, it's really clipped but the introduction of that head all of a sudden they're like what well, no no it won't be doing that they're trying to convince themselves like this thing this thing coming into their house 
has sort of shaken that that um, rigidity that around that logic. Um, and so you're constantly going like, where's this going to go? Like, is it you know, is it going to break in? Is it going to be some sort of like axe wielding maniac or something? Um, and one of the, the next thing he sort of um, he says, I can't find that, but he says uh, they they recognise that basically recognises the Bambi because um, yeah, he, he says. Um, um, when I went to check on her a little while ago, I felt, I don't know, vulnerable in some way. She was hugging one of those stuffed security blankets of hers. He took a, a sip of his drink. It was a new one, I noticed. Did you buy it when you were out shopping? And his wife says, uh, the only thing I bought um, was that, I think, sort of like the, the glazed head. Um, what was it? What do you mean? It was a stuffed Bambi. Maybe she had it before and I just never noticed it. Well, she never had it before. It didn't come from me. So all of a sudden, not only have you got this head thing, you've now got this other object in the house that has no origin. Like it's it's just appeared in the house, and she's like sleeping with it. And I was wondering if, to me, I'm like, oh, what does Bambi mean? Anything? Like, you know, he's he's an orphaned child. It's you know, Disney. It's all that kind of stuff. But it felt like you know, there's that all of a sudden that's when it sort of triggers, and all that logic, all that um rigidity falls away, and they panic. Yeah, it is panic. Well, and I, I, you know, and I, I do think, I mean, he calls it a Bambi, but I mean, you know, I, obviously, there's a play on the dough. <laughs> You know, oh, wow, like, that's a very good point. Is it is it a because it's a deer? Mm. Um, you know, and he says Bambi, and of course, Bambi, as you as you rightfully said, Bambi is a he, but you know, Bambi is not a name that there's no dudes walking around called Bambi, except in that book and movie. Yeah, Bambi is a woman's name. Yeah, that's a very right? good point. And but so I don't know if it's a deer in particular because he's playing with that, and he's again the logic of is oh, it's a stuffed little dear it must be bambi like that's the logic of mm. him he sees it and he doesn't think of it being anything other than which that. is like playing words against so you're getting almost like a riddler-esque or like you know this is a joke it's it, or the joke like it's, it's playing on words um, he's he's just like earlier he specifically says you know because her name is norleen not yeah. colleen and colleen in irish right means girl and and he, although he says it with the Scottish brogue, so I don't yes. know, but like my brain is saying that if you Celtic, say Colleen, it's like Celtic or it's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's, okay. Yeah. So, so there's because he's like a little Colleen. He wasn't mm. meaning it as a name. He's meaning because it's lowercase. He's meaning it yes. from that from that from the Celtic language means just little girl. Mm -hmm. And so he's acknowledging you have a little girl, and he's like, how would he know that? And he logics it away. And so again, he's like, I'm trying to. You were up. You could have saved her, man. Yeah. He, I put the thing in front and the fact, and this is what I love about it is he says, I noticed it was a new one. Yeah. So he noticed it. He knew that something was off, but again, because he was rattled from earlier, he kept him late. He did all these things deliberately to mess with him so that when he got home, even the things that are right in front of him, he's going to miss because he's been saying to him exactly what he's going to do the whole time. Oh, and, and, and nobody's this, listening to him. No. And this is what I mean. Like this whole thing, because he says about going, he even says, like, I think it's time for another frolic. And that's when he yeah. starts to lay these hints. And like, it, it, it's a challenge. It feels to me like a, the more we talk about it, the more it feels like a challenge. Like yeah. this, this guy is saying, like, all right, let's see if you can figure this out. Let's see what happens. 
But the doctor's closed because he actually says to his wife, right, well, tomorrow you can go and stay with your parents. Yeah, we're going to get her out of here. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't, there's something not right. Um, And that's funny because in that moment, then she shows up with the logic training and she's like, we want to take her out of school. There's only a month left to school. He's like, nope, yep, I don't give a shit. So like in that moment, he, yeah, yeah. It's funny. They switch because he's being logical. And then when he gets rattled, He's being emotional. And so she's like, whoa. And that's, again, says everything about their relationship, like you said, is because now she's got to rein him in and be like, you know, just um, five minutes ago, she was like, sweet, let's get the fuck out of here. And now she's like, well, let's calm down. Not you know, right away. Me. Yeah. And he's like, no, right now. And it, But if he had acted literally right then, it would end it different. Yes. Because I don't think he is in that... It's set up, like you said, for him to be an axe-wielding maniac, but he isn't. No, it's not who he is. No, he's. I mean, like, we'll talk. About, let's talk about the ending then, because basically, yeah, yeah. he runs upstairs. Uh, he finds the light switch. Uh, I, I love these little notes. Like it was low, the height of a child. Like they've set yeah. this room up. He sees that the the child is gone. Across the room, the window is wide open. The white translucent curtains flapping upwards and invade on the invading wing. Wind alone on the bed was the stuffed animal, torn. It's soft entrails littering the mattress. What what a thing to say. Not stuffing. Not stuffed filling. Entrails. Oof. Soft entrails. Um now stuffed inside, blooming out like a flower, was a crumpled piece of paper. And this note. So it, and this is a hint of what's going to happen. So this is going to oh, I've gutted this figure and I've left you the story. And I'm going to read the note. And there's two things from the note I wanted to sort of point out. Uh, Dr. Monk. We leave this behind in your capable hands for the black foaming gutters and black alley of paradise in the dark windowless gloom of some intergalactic cellar in the hollowed pearly holes found in sewer-like seas, in starless cities and of insanity and in their slums. My awestruck little dear and I have gone gone frolicking. See you anon, Jonathan Doe. Um, And it's... Yeah. The first thing to note is he calls him Dr. Monk. Now, we know it spells it differently. We know it's spelled M-U-N-C-K for the rest of the story. And we, I, I, you know, for all that he knows, John Doe, like him spelling it this way is intentional. Um, and obviously the, a monk being, you know, monastic and sort of, you know, believing in their faith. I, I do believe it's that thing because he's so hung up on his psychology that he's like, or his psychiatry that he's like, Oh, I'm gonna just, you know, I'm taking the piss now. Like this is, you know, yeah. you, you had your chance. And uh, the other thing, you know, the whole tone of the note is 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 jarringly chipper. And then actually, the fact he remains, but not just John Doe, Jonathan Doe, <laughs> acknowledging that that his name is probably Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. And so there's only Jonathan bit- spelled J-O-N. Yes, not J-O-H. Like so, it's spelled. Not like, I mean, it's spelled J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. And generally, if you spell your name that way, you do John, J-O-N. But they've been saying John, J-O-H-N earlier. So there's yes. all this like weird wordplay. So it's like, oh, by the way, yeah, Jonathan, that's actually, I'm telling you one of my names right now. Not Doe, but I'm telling you, this is, he's giving you yet another hint about who he is. Yeah, there's meanings in all of this sort of thing. But this note, again, sort of like, the, one of the things I like, is we've said about the, the use of power, uh, um, no, the use of language and the phrasing. This this thing we you know we leave um, this behind in your capable hands for in the black foaming gutters and the and black alley of paradise in the dark windowless gloom of some intergalactic cellar 
this this sort of is almost Lovecraftian oh. in its in its purple prose. Um, and I love that again, we've had this real sort of like clipped, precise dialogue throughout. And then you get this sort of like eloquent prose note at the end. Um, is wonderful. It's a wonderful flourish at the end of this, where you're like, oh, he's a completely different character. Like, this is a game to him. This is so much fun. Yeah. And this, so this is, so this last note, though, that language, the black foaming gutters of the back alley of paradise and the dank windowless gloom of some intergalactic stellar and the hollow pearly whorls found in sewer-like seas and the starless cities of insanity and in their slums. That makes it feel supernatural because he's setting, he's like giving you this otherworldly place, this dark, like shadow land kind of mm. thing. But to me, that's what makes it, that's why I'm sure it's not because yeah. of everything you just said, because it's, it's totally different. The, he's mimicking him at the beginning. Like you talk mm. about the clip language when they talk to each other, it's the same, even like the meanie, meanie, mean, like he's, he's, he's mimicking Dr. Monk. Yes. You talk to me this way, I'll respond in kind. And so, but inside him is this crazy poet guy. And so it's again, proof that he is real, that he's not supernatural because it's like you said, it, to me, it's a game. And I went in thinking that way, but now that we've talked for an hour, it's 100% a game. It's 100% yes. a game of chess and you lost. Well, no, let's be clear, right? The, what is the frolic to this guy? It's, is it it's the, the game the game that, that's exactly what I was like this the, the frolic isn't the isn't the desecration of the children no the frolic is the whole thing yeah and the kids i don't think i'm not 100 convinced he's even going to kill this girl i think he will because he's doing Do it before. i think it's a punishment i think this is almost like a you failed mm. you know i'm ve- i am convinced that this is a sort of again like you said um there would have been a very different note if, if, if John Doe had got there and the girl was gone or the family, there'd be still mm. a note, but it would be like, touche doctor, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Cause he does say, I'll see you and not, he's, he's telling him this is not over. That's yeah. why part of me wonders if, if he's going to, or maybe he'll be like, I guess it's your wife next. Yeah. Well, it, it leaves open-ended and yeah, cause it's supposed to be sort of like, you know, well, you know, maybe our paths will cross again, you know, let's see how, how I feel like, you know, this was fun, but yeah, it wasn't that much of a challenge, but I do think if he'd have got home straight away and gone like, yeah, something's off. I'm really not comfortable. Let's pack the car up. And we're going to leave now. And then they, come, they could have come back like four days later, two days later. I think they'd have found a note, but no, you're right. Hey, I think you're totally right. Yeah. Cause then it would have been like, good on you. Yeah, well, now I don't have to kill your daughter because you, uh, you, yeah, but now I have to. You, I yeah. have no choice because that's you, the you, game. No, you're right. Your, this is your fault, sort of thing. It is to- he's telling him it's totally his fault. And the, the one of the, the final moment was, I'm going to be very quite a lot of this, but it's beautifully written. And so it's worth oh, reading. It's terrifying, though, too. And because this now goes back to, so you said that what, the, the opening line of the story. Okay, let's just read that again. In a beautiful home in a beautiful part of town. First line. Oh, good. Yeah. And this is the end of it. So we sort of, so she, they found the button, the, the last paragraph that so they've identified the girl has gone. Then the beautiful house was no longer quiet, for there rang a bright, freezing scream of laughter, the perfect sound to accompany a passing anecdote of some obscure hell. Oh, 
And it's like he didn't, I love the fact that this broke the doctor. Like this, is, he didn't he didn't cry, he didn't scream. He he goes into hysterics. Yeah, which um, I love because again, the the term hysterics was obviously always assigned to women. Yeah, well, it's down to this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, hysteria. And, and so, he, it, oh, honestly, if you ever say to a woman you're being hysterical, you should never say that. Does Everybody that, never say that. Like, yeah, is it like hysteria is like a, a Greek? God, or I can't remember what the, the like it goes back to obviously, like you know, hysterectomy, so it's all womb, right? Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, the, the idea of hysteria was essentially, um, that women were having they were sexually frustrated. Honestly, this is true. Mm-hmm. One of the original cures for hysteria is women would come to the doctor, this is totally true, and the doctor would manually masturbate them and get them to orgasm, and that was the cure for hysteria. This is true. So the thing that the craziness was coming from them being sexually frustrated, but instead of just saying like, go get a good bang on, they yeah. would come to the doctor who would do it for them. I'm not making that up. That no, is I'm, all I'm, true. Yeah. And I'm pretty, yeah, I can imagine that being, <laughs> I, can, I can completely imagine some sort of Victorian physician like, yeah. well, let's have a look then. What have I done today? Well, four wanks this morning. That's a- yep, No, and they would like put up, and the thing is they'd like put up a little shield and like stick their arm through it, like, like a big vagina. They'd stick their mm. arm through the shield and the woman would be naked behind it. They wouldn't see her, but then that would be the cure. I'm, it's totally a true thing. Medical it, history is baffling. But- <laughs> no sense. So the term hysterical always was applied to women, mm. but I love that he is hysterical. This yeah. is what hysterical is now. And it's this freezing scream of laughter. He's gone around the bend. Yeah. He is broken now. He is not. He is going to be institutionalized. Oh, yeah. Well, everything he believed in has just been in one action has been taken away. This is yeah. the, you know, the prison is not secure. All right. At all. Um, they didn't go. Straight to move, like a break, a breakout didn't run straight into the you know, to get away as far as possible. His home is not safe, you know. Um, well, they even described the home, right? Because mm. this wasn't a broken down hole in the wall hovel where the wind could get through ancient nope. attic boards and warp window frames. This is like a solidly built new house, yeah. so you shouldn't be able to get in. If I close the window, it's fucking closed, yeah. But so, does that mean he was already in the bedroom? Oh, yeah, I yes. That window being open that he closes from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's yeah. So um, no, John Doe was already in the house. Yeah. John Doe was already in the house. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, which makes the whole sort of thing even creepier. <laughs> um, but then like you said, you don't know, like you said, one of the things I'm curious about is like when he goes upstairs, because all you do is look through the door and he sees that his daughter is holding the dough. Let's say he's hold, she's yeah. holding the Bambi. You by the time you get to the end of the story, she's gone, and I, you know the, the deer is left behind. Well, she has not reacted to someone leaving this behind or anything like that. So I still question: Is she alive when he puts his head through the door to check on her? Oh, maybe not. That would have made way more sense because she's just laying there. He yeah, doesn't touch her. No, he just looks in. She he sees the shape lying peacefully and leaves and shuts the door and then shuts the window. Sorry, then leaves. Doesn't interact with her at all. You're right. She probably is already dead. Which makes it, again, like, all the more tragic. This whole No, you're right. Wow. No, well said. I agree. It's so good. And that that ending, because, again, he's broken now. Yeah. He's he's broken. That's the game. But he says, I'll see you anon. I will see you soon, friend. Here I am coming. 
you don't know when I'll be coming because I have a thousand names and I've been everybody. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, because that thing about a thousand names, obviously, you know, one of the other stories that I put out was the the nine million names of God or the nine billion names of God. Is this idea like the devil has is multiple names, and that's what he's to meet you. Hope you guess my name. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, and that's. But I think that's who he's trying to portray himself as. Yeah, yeah. He is the devil. Um, That's awesome. That's that's it, isn't it? Yeah. This is the love letter to the Rolling Stones. Is that what? I think that maybe at least that's a, 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 (laughs) but one of yeah two two things of that ending like you say is just phenomenal like it's a gut wrench it's an absolute gut wrench, um and as you say this story flips like from this sort of secure sort of conversation between a a husband and wife about work and you know does this does this sort of social situation where now work for us or should I move back to this sort of my old sort of psychiatry practice to to this home invasion story um and the th- this thing that you know psychologically breaks this psychiatrist like it's a it's a wonderfully done story yeah because i hate home invasion stories i think mm. they're cheap um as far as like we like uh, once in a while like what's the one the strangers where they just show up and they don't speak and they're wearing yeah, the yeah, creepy yeah. masks or like your next is sort yeah, of a home invasion yeah. right now i like your next because it's not you find out it's not really a home invasion story yeah. but i think so that's why i like your next but i think in general home invasion stories it's like i just want an excuse to have a horrible assault scene or yeah. like a bunch of bloody violence it's never to me that's a lot I, there's a handful of them that are any good because they're usually cheap and yeah. so the reason that this and it's its predecessor is um uh the have you, the carol kane the call is coming from inside the house. When a stranger calls. Oh, when a stranger calls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a home invasion yeah. story, but yeah, it isn't because yeah. you don't see it. Yes, exactly. So that's why this works is because you're, it is a home invasion story, but because you don't see the home invasion, the terror is within. That's why it works. The cheap way to do this, and that's why I was impressed by this movie. The movie's fine, the one that I sent you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, it's it's a 30-minute movie that they're putting up free on youtube you know i mean it's it's competently made mm. but um i you know the, the problem with with it is is it doesn't work as well you get why most home invasion movies turn into jank because yes. if you don't see it it's not as nobody cares but yeah. in this you don't see it and that makes it better oh yeah i agree 100 like you don't need anything like the the terror comes from the fact that like if if there had been a confrontation between Doctor Monk and John Doe at the end of the story, well, John Doe John Doe's lost. That's not the game, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't right exactly. You know, yeah. If so- he comes in and turns the light on, if he touches her, anything, right? It could have been because he's clearly still in the house. Yeah, could be under the yeah. bed in the cupboard. Could be anywhere in that bedroom. He could like, have been could- under. He could have been in the bed with her. You have no idea. He could be watching Dr. Monk as he closes that window and leaves the hotel. Like that, that's what's creepy as hell about that yeah. whole moment where I'm like, it, it's one of those stories that you get to the end and you do, you roll, you reverse play back into the story when you're like, what the hell happened with all <laughs> yes. this? Um, and so I do, I love, I love this idea, this, this killer who is to, to this game, this genius psychopath is, is a, is an absolute stunning villain. And, I said, like, I think Seven, like, you know, David Fincher clearly yeah, read clearly. this story. Um, one of the other things is some of the descriptors about the the sewers. Now, this mm. is 1982, as we've said, so probably written in 81, into 82, around that period. 
some of the descriptors of Pennywise and the sewers in, in Stephen King's It, reading this sort of came to mind as well. And I can imagine this being a Stephen King kind of story that he's sort of like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm reading Thomas Ligotti. And it sort of clearly inspired that idea, I think, of the sort of um, this, this fantastical land that lives in the, you know, in, in the sewers of Derry. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Stephen King, and I'm sure there's probably an article somewhere where he's like, fuck Thomas Ligotti, why aren't you reading him? Like, he acknowledges how he rips off Richard Matheson all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, like, just leans in. He's like, yeah, I fucking love that guy. And so, um, yes, why don't you, you steal from the best? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let, listen, so we, we've talked about it. But so, any, any final thoughts then on the Frollo? I, I, what I think is great, and I would love to have seen this. This is just again the wordplay. Is at the end it says, "But the note was not typed on official business because it was on letterhead from inside the prison." Yes. The handwriting varied from neat italic script. Ital- writing in italics is hard mm. uh, to a child scrawl, and so again, it's just one line of like we understand and then we because we're reading it it's typed version i would love to see that like visually what that would look like because you're again he is such a a master of getting you to see what's not there yes um and so to me again i I mean i would teach this if i'm going to teach creative writing i would i would have people read this story to understand how to build tension yeah like did you there's a really did you ever see throw mama from the train Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the whole thing is it was a dark and stormy night. The whole Mm. book is the whole movie is about Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal's characters starting books with it's a dark and stormy night. And it's like Charlie Brown started it with a dark and stormy night, right? When he's Snoopy's writing. So to me, this is like, it's not, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful night in a beautiful. So I love that it is like, this is how you build tension. Don't tell me it's scary. Scare me. Yes. So it's perfect for that because horror there's so much cheap horror and like i said home invasion stories are generally just there to like you're terrified when you leave but the reason saw works too is because you don't see it happen either that's Mm. why as the saws move on they get worse yeah same as halloween right this is michael myers i mean this is the end the end of this is the same as as dr loomis saying to uh laurie strode when she sort of says like you know you you know she started shot him six times and she's like it was the boogeyman he's like you're right it was the and, end. And the, Drop and the end. Mike. Well, the end of that film is where you just hear the breathing and it shows like the garden, <laughs> the hallway, the bedroom. And it's just saying like, he's still out there. And it's this idea no, it's of like so the, the boogeyman is out there. And John Doe is still out there, like waiting to, to you know, um, for when that occasion may arrive. Like who is the next victim? And I and love it'll that. be Dr. Monk again. He's coming yeah. back for him because he... Well, he will do at some point, but there might be someone else down the oh, line. Oh, without a doubt. Because like you yeah. said, I love your idea that he's he's looking for his homes. He's looking yeah. for his worthy adversary. He needs a Batman, and he hasn't found it yet. Yeah. So he's a smart. super villain without a superhero. Um, and I, it's a fantastic... Like I say, Thomas Legati is not well known. And there's a part of it thinks that's tragedy because... Yeah. He's not, he's not an easy read. You know, that's not to say that he's sorry. That's not to say that the, the reading is difficult, but and you'll find this as you go through. There's a, there's a, there's a couple of stories that are fantastic. Um, but like you say, it's not something you can binge. You couldn't. You should I could, not. No, you, I would. Yeah, yeah. I tried to read this in like, you know, I'll start from story to story. It, it, emotionally, it's not possible. 
Like it's a yeah. real like it's hard. Like these stories are good, but I wouldn't recommend trying to do it. But seriously, f- track down some Thomas Legatti. Like it's a it's if you like weird fiction or you're looking for something that's like that sort of tension building horror. Um, try he, he has his gore moments as well, but like seriously, like he's a massively underrated and underread um author. I'll give you a link that you can put in the show notes to mm. the entire book, Songs of the Dead Dreamer, free online. Go on, yeah, send that over, and I it will so, be so people. I'll send it over because then people can be just all they got to do is click, and you've got this whole collection right there. Yeah, and I recommend it. I do. Um, but yeah, you know, because you said you never read, you've never heard of him, and you've never read it. So are you, you know, it, which is terrifying. I'm so upset, and I'm a big reader, so that's really mm. disappointing. So is it, is it, is it going to be in your sort of rotation now? Is this where you're going to sort of... Yeah, you know, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to read yeah. Songs of a Dead Dreamer because I have it for free. Mm. Um, and then I've already started looking at my library to get my hands on other stuff, without a doubt. Cool. Well, I'm so, I am love when you can do that. That's a bit of a win on my point. I've introduced you to I'd a little more. So that's always good yeah. when someone says, oh, have you read this? I'm like, oh, no, I haven't. That sounds amazing. So, um, yes. But anyway, Tony, any, any last thoughts before we wrap up? No, I, I just think everybody should read it. And... Uh, um, it's you see his influences and you see who he's influenced. Mm. I love that. I love to see a writing lineage. I think, I mean, there's obviously like, like you said, you know, Lovecraft has launched a thousand ships and Poe yeah. has launched a thousand ships and they both Legati only exists because of them, but it's really cool to see, like you said, there's Fincher saw read this. Yeah. no doubt. And there's no way. I mean, it's crazy to think because when you first saw seven, you're like, what, how did he? And then you're like, Oh shit. It's been, yeah. and again, I'm not shitting on seven, but I'm saying, it's cool to know that that this this has its hands in so many great other stories that have taken it and made it their own. So exactly. read it, read it, read it. Excellent. Right. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. But before we go, Tony, there's one thing. Where can people find you and what do you oh, want to sure. So I am on the, the Comics in Motion Network. Oh. Um, I have uh, shows there, multiple shows. I am uh, I am uh, t- trying to take over. Chris and Dave who? is what it is no so i've got my indie comic spotlight there which i which is is myself by myself with guests you've been on um it's jack and ria have kind of kind of been permanent co-hosts because you know like you and julian it's easy when you've got a permanent co-host it's a little bit easier schedule wise um but i've got i'm going through sin city this year with one of my high school friends so that's there jack and i are doing fringe on season greetings so we do a season by season of a show we're doing fringe and then um max and dave and i have just started uh, mandatory music and CDs. I saw where, a new one. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So the first album up, I, that'll probably be out before this comes out, but the first album up is Skid Row's debut album, Skid Row. So once a month, we're going to do like a classic rock album track by track. Wonderful. That's very nice. fun. And, yeah. And the Pop Gorillas are popping. We're, we're taking over Comics in Motion soon. We're every two hours for an entire day, there's going to be a different Pop Gorilla. <laughs> we're just taking over on an empty, there's an empty day on the calendar. I'm like, Dave, just like that'll be cool. So, yep. that's awesome. Yep, comics in Motion is is the for it. It's become like a radio station. You're on a comic. You've got a show on Comics in Motion. I have now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, busy. We're always busy people. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're right. We are. But check out Comics in Motion. There'll be a link down below as always. Uh, yes, I am on Comics in Motion at the moment. Whilst this podcast is, um, well, this podcast is going to be released a lot a little bit later in the year in the next. Oh, okay, cycle. so so, but go back. I I sort of have. I did welcome to uh, welcome to the Midnight Mission. I hosted the Moon Knight. Uh, Disney Plus show uh, week, by week. The, week by yeah. week uh, on the pulse finger on the pulse um, and nobody better I mean 
honestly, I mean, somebody else would have done it, but why, why? If yeah. you're there, why would anybody else do it if you're going to host it? We could just all just hang yeah. on. And by the time this comes out, you know, we'll have made some progress on the, on the Moon Knight book and it's all coming together. So you'll hear more about that. But uh, yeah, if you want to find us, obviously, you know, you find 20th Century Geek at 20th Century Geek on Twitter, Facebook, all these usual bits and pieces. But, you know, whatever podcast catcher you're on, just stop. Go and leave a review. Five stars, four stars, whatever you want to do. But hey, any feedback is fantastic and greatly appreciated. And of course, one more link down below. Check out our Patreon. Uh, www.patreon.com slash 20cgmedia. Uh, we've got all kinds of different bits and pieces on there. Julian, my brother from another mother, and I are going through the Twilight Zone, trekking through the Twilight Zone, and I do my monthly podcast and a lot of other stuff going there. Go check out. appreciate anyone who supports. But, Tony, thank you for coming to talk. Thank you. I love to read. Listen, this is true. I'm going to open. We're going to do this live. We're going to do it live. I'm going to open up my Goodreads. I don't know yeah. if you use Goodreads. I'd use it or I would keep so it is when we're recording this, it's April 4th, 2022. And I, in this calendar year, have read 94 books. Wow. So um, I love books. So for yeah. me, if you're going to give me something else to read, I'm excited. So, and I don't, when I count, I don't count individual comics, like comic mm -hmm. books are on there, but it's only the collected edition. So yeah, like yeah. the complete, if it's six, if it's 12, whatever the graphic novel is, I'll count that as one, not as like yeah. each individual book. So if I counted each individual book, it'd be well, way past that. So anytime somebody can give me something new to read, it's a joy for me. My wife and I were just lamenting today. It's like, I'm just going to go read, like I've been rereading books that I love. So I'm, like, I'm just mm -hmm. going to go reread the Jane Austen books again, because everything I've been reading lately, lately sucks and I need a win. So I appreciate you giving me a win because I'm going to read this whole book. I will not mark it as read till I read the whole book. So it'll take a while because I'm going to piece it together. Yeah. But I appreciate getting, I've been desperate for something good and you saved me. So thank something you. New, something weird. Wonderful. I'm glad. I, I can't wait to hear what you say about the rest of it. It's really That's cool. Gonna, I'm so excited. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for listening and we shall see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.